0: I recently listened to a podcast with Wayne Jacobson that caused me to decide to make this the topic of my next episode so that I could pass some of those things I heard on to you along with my own thoughts. Let me start out by reading an email to you I received a while back. One thing I hear from prevers quite often is their frustration of wanting to hear from God or feel him near them in their place of darkness and grief. This prever wrote, I'm not feeling God's presence. Sometimes I feel peace, but other times there is no peace and such incredible pain that I don't know how I will go on. I feel helpless and hopeless and completely debilitated. It can be really frightening. I'm trying to pray so hard, but sometimes I just tune out with mindless TV that seems to numb the pain, but only works for so long. Here's another email I received a while back along the same line. When I pray or read my Bible or just vent to God, it feels like no one is there. No one is listening, almost like the feeling you get when someone is very cold towards you. My prayers feel empty and cold, and I have asked God for help, but I haven't seen or felt anything different. I just feel empty inside. Does that feeling ever go away? I think a lot of you out there can probably relate to either one or both of these emails. I also hear from those who have read my book, When Tragedy Strikes, that you're frustrated because God doesn't speak to you the way he did to me. First of all, let me say that I believe one of the main reasons I heard from God the way I did those first few months and years is because that was my relationship with him before Becca died. I, had a, uh, I was blessed to have a prayer, a little prayer room under our basement steps, and I spent a lot of time with him there, and I would journal, and I would write, and God and I would just communicate and converse back and forth, and so that was normal for me to be able to hear God in that way because I I did before Becca died. I believe another part of it was because God wanted that book written, and many of the things that he was telling me, he wanted written down and put in that book to be shared with others who find themselves in the same dark suffocating pit. I had a hard time finding books myself. There are a lot more out there now, but back then, so many of the books that I would find didn't have the hope or the faith of the challenges of knowing the Lord through all of this. And so I believe that he wanted me to write this, and so he gave me a lot of those words for that reason. And I'm going to be honest with you, for these last few years, I really don't hear from God like that. It's almost like he's been silent in that way. And I used to think that I did something, I messed up, I was doing something wrong, or it was me because I wasn't seeking him enough like I used to. And I would feel guilty that something was wrong on my end. And somehow, maybe I was doing something to push him away. But I have come to realize that God and I right now seem to be in a different season in our relationship right now. It's almost like, let's just be together together. I don't have these urges to shut myself in with him so that I can hear him speak to me and and uh, write it down as I'm listening to his voice what I'm hearing him share in my heart In in my thoughts, and maybe it will happen again to that extent at some point. And I'll say I do miss it, but there's also a, a new sweetness right now, and even some freedom in where I am. Once I released myself to it and realized it was being prompted on God's end for our relationship to shift like this, and not something that I was doing wrong. Right now, I'm finding that God puts things in my path, and I get to choose if I'm going to pursue it. And when I do, it takes me where I need to be and where I long to be in my relationship with him. For instance, a high school friend and I reconnected a couple of years ago because of GPS Hope. And at some point, she offered to be a health coach for me. When I knew Marion in high school, she was large then, and she continued to grow in that way as an adult, and I had been watching her really get healthy, I mean, not just lose weight and be more slim than what she even was in high school, but she was healthy, and she looked great. She had energy, and I had been watching this, and she offered at one point to be a health coach for me, and I laid it aside for well over a year, but I kept getting nudged in that direction while making excuses why it wouldn't work for me. Well, for one thing, we live in the mobile. We're all over the place. I don't have, you know, there's no kind of continuity, anything like that. I mean, I, I made up all kinds of reasons, but the thing is, I've been praying for years now, For God to help me get off this extra weight that I gained while Becca was sick and in the hospital, I made so many excuses to eat that triple layer chocolate cake in the hospital cafeteria, things like that. And plus, you know, I admit eating is a comfort to me. I do that emotional comfort eating from grief after she died. And my weight just continued climbing as I just justified my bad eating habits And I kept asking God to help me lose the weight and to get healthy, but nothing seemed to be happening. And my friend lives back home in Wisconsin, but she's in Florida right now taking care of her dad who became ill and needs to go into assisted living. And so she's, you know, working all of that out, going through his thing, selling his house, all that stuff. And she just Happened to be 45 minutes away from one of the campgrounds where Dave and I were staying. So I got a hold of her and Dave and I met her for dinner one evening and I decided to take her and God up on this opportunity to start on this better health journey. It's been almost three weeks now, and I'm seeing some major improvements already in my health in several areas, such as not waking up feeling so tired, less fogginess during the day, not dragging in the afternoons. I'm starting to see some mindset changes on my eating habits, and yes, as a byproduct, I'm down 10 pounds with these lifestyle changes that I am learning and growing in. The point of this is, the reason I'm, I'm sharing this with you is because I could have kept praying for God to help me get healthy and to help me to want to change how I was eating and how I take care of my body and those kinds of things but God knew I needed someone to motivate me and to keep me on track and to educate me so that I truly really wanted to make some permanent changes in my lifestyle that goes even just beyond how I eat I need energy to keep going I know you do too and and you're not may not be in that place where you even want to have the energy but I have been at that place for a while yet. And my health is important to me, especially for you so that I can keep going and do this for you and to be there for my kids and my grandkids. So I believe that God brought Marion into my life as an answer to those prayers. And it's not the way I expected God to help me. The thing is, it's not always something big like that, these nudges that God gives us. Sometimes it's a feeling to go for a walk when I really don't want to. But when I do, quite often there's something I see that amazes me and makes me feel more alive or at least less numb. One time I found myself walking underneath a flock of beautiful birds in the treetops and I just stopped to be mesmerized by their beauty and their sound, which was incredible all around me in, this, in these trees, which brought a sense of awe back into my life for that day. It might be a turtle I watch walking through the grass that reminds me that my progress may seem really slow, but if I keep going, I will get where I need to be. Or sometimes I I remember, this happens once in a while, I'll see just one beautiful flower standing alone somewhere out of place. And that sometimes makes me feel like I can keep standing when I feel so alone and out of place. I might think of someone and take the time and effort to send them a text or an email letting them know that, that I'm thinking about them, and send up a quick prayer for them and let them know I prayed for them. And sometimes I get a reply that unexpectedly encourages me and makes my day feel lighter. I believe God scatters breadcrumbs all around us, but we can miss them because we want God to do something in a certain way, or we want to hear from him in a certain way. We want it to be effortless on our part because we feel like we have nothing to give, right? I know that. We want him to just do it for us. And I I know the lack of energy we have those first months and years, but often just picking up one little crumb and following through one little nudge will make a huge difference in being able to feel God for that moment or that hour or the rest of that day, or have him speak to us through something like his creation. And because we don't, take the tiniest effort to pick that up, to follow through on that nudge, we miss it. And this isn't something we just start doing and we get it right. This is a, it's like a lane of life that we choose to merge into. We don't have it in us, do we? We don't have the power to just get up one day and have this suffocating pain be behind us. But we do have the power to say, Jesus, help me to be aware of the lifelines you're throwing to me to let me know that you are here with me in this darkness. I want to be aware of the breadcrumbs that you're tossing my way, God, that I'm maybe ignoring or maybe even stomping on because I want you to just fix me instead of leading me on a journey out of this darkness. If we follow these nudges, It creates space or it allows a door to be opened somewhere else a lot of times to have God meet us where we were not seeing it before. It really is a journey. It's not a fix-it plan. It may not seem like it, but God is not hiding from us like we think he is or purposefully being elusive. That's our perception of him and that's based on our feelings and the darkness that we're so surrounded by right now. Sometimes we get an unexpected glimpse of God because we're seeing something in the corner of our mind, that breadcrumb on the ground. It isn't a full on seeing God thing, but we see something else that reveals God to us through that. I recently learned from Wayne on that podcast that when you look at a star or something in the night sky, it's harder to see when you look directly at it. But if you look just to the side of it, you can see it more clearly in your peripheral vision. And that can sometimes be like when we try so hard to get a word from God and we want him to come to meet with us in a specific way and it often doesn't happen. And I think sometimes that's because we're more in our head. And remember, God is spirit. We meet with him. He meets with us spirit to spirit. And when we're in our heads, it's easy to miss the way he communicates with us. And I'll say even when we're in our soul, when we're in the pain of our soul, we can miss the way he's communicating with us in our spirit. And when we open ourselves up to our peripheral vision, some of the things around us maybe that aren't directly from him, we start seeing more clearly how he is speaking to us and wanting to lead us. We usually do better seeing him with our peripheral vision rather than staring him down begging or demanding he do something for us in our turmoil and our grief. I want to bring in one more possibility of why some of us might struggle with hearing God or feeling his presence. As humans, we like predictability and certainty. We gravitate toward wanting easy comfort and wanting to cruise through a good life and quite often we believe that means the way to get it is to be the one in control. And in that natural tendency we have, we may have made statements in our past that sabotages our ability to receive God's comfort and help. For instance, I know when someone, when he was around 12 or 13 years old, friends of the family came to his parents asking for money to help them get on the mission field. And his parents weren't thrilled about it, but they did give him something towards it. He was standing right in front of them, and so they gave him something. And so this man remembers a time when that happened. He specifically remembers telling himself that he would never be someone who lives by faith. And that became a hindrance to him, many years later in his adult life, as God was leading him in a direction of not continuing as a pastor on a pastoral staff job, but to trust God to lead him into a life where God would provide the needs of his family. And he realized what he had determined as a child, that I will never be someone who walks by faith, <laughs> who lives by faith. That, that declaration in his heart at that moment had gotten in the way of that, something he said way back there as a child, and he realized what he really meant by that was that he didn't want to be someone who begged for money to finance a ministry. He really did want to please God as being someone who lived by faith, whatever that looked like, and he had to undo that transaction he had made with God as a child of making a decision that he would never be someone who lived by faith, and he had to make that right between himself and God. Obviously, on his end, not on God's end, right? So, I'm thinking that sometimes it's not going to go back to our childhood. Maybe, I doubt it. But I'm wondering is it possible that maybe at some point in your life you have said or felt something in your past that could be hindering you from hearing from God or feeling his presence? For instance, have you ever said something like, If God takes one of my kids, I will never forgive him? Or, if something happens to one of my children, I would just die. I wouldn't want to live. Something like that can actually be a block for God to be able to come in, and you know, I know we feel that way that <laughs> I know we feel that way. we don't want to be here. we just want to die. We beg for God to take us, don't we? I did. But it could be something that is hindering God from being able to come to us and be our comfort in the peace and be that like that healing balm of Gilead in our soul that we so desperately need. Maybe it's something you said or thought more recently. Maybe it's along the line of God really isn't in control or he wouldn't have let this happen. So I have to take over and make my own life work without him since he messed it up so bad. I need to be the one to protect me and my family since God won't. So the truth is, we can never fully protect our families or even ourselves. Maybe you said or thought something like, God isn't good or loving, or he wouldn't have let my child die. I can't trust him. Can you see how these kinds of thoughts or words are like stiff-arming him while at the same time being upset that you aren't hearing from him or feeling his presence like you're crying out for I'm not saying it's wrong to be mad at God. If you have been with me very long at all, you know that. Have it out with him. Yell at him. Tell him what you need to do in your anger and your pain and your confusion. But just realize if you choose to hang on to all of that, how are you going to be able to see or hear or feel him when he comes to you? Think of someone you have been really angry with. If they want to come to you while you are in that place of anger, would you be okay with that? or usually not. Even if they came to apologize, if we're so mad we're not ready to hear it, we'll send them away. You know, that saying, our actions speak louder than our words, sometimes that can be the case in our relationship with God. And he's there, but we're the ones that are pushing him away. We're the ones putting a block there. We're begging for him to come and and to be with us and to take this pain away. And yet at the same time, Our actions are pushing him away, or maybe past words have pushed him away, and we don't realize that those thoughts are still deep buried in us, and we need to deal with those things. God wants to win you over to his trust of how he can be with you through this and help you find your way on the other side of this suffocating darkness. We have to really want it, though, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our spirits. We have to let our spirit rise up above the pain of our soul to connect with Him. And I know that's easy to say. Ask God to help you do that. When we're curled up on our beds, crying our eyes out, begging to hear from Him, instead of looking for Him to speak some words into our hearts right then and there, choose to believe that he knows even more important than his words are in that moment is that he is curled up with you and he's hurting and he's crying with you. Most of us don't want others to talk to us or talk at us. When we're in that dark place of grief, words don't mean much, do they? And I think God knows that and he just wants to be together with you in a way that's so gentle it can be hard to recognize we also need to realize that we don't always have to make the time to come to him for a certain amount of time in a certain amount of way, like reading your Bible for 20 minutes every morning type of thing, especially when it just doesn't seem to be helping. He's already with you. He's in you. So my question is, how is God gently nudging you? Just the smallest thing that he knows will help you, even if it's just for an hour or half a day, or maybe the rest of the time that you're awake until you go back to sleep again. He has a gift that he wants to give you that you need to take and unwrap, even though it doesn't seem like much. Are you going to continue to insist that he speaks something to you in your tears because he's done that for other people? Not everyone, I guarantee you that, but you've heard that he speaks to other people, and so, God, why aren't you speaking to me? Or are you going to ask him to see the breadcrumbs and to lean into one or two of those little nudges throughout your day? I would like to pray over you right now. Father, we don't understand. Many of us are confused and devastated and angry, but God help us not to blame you, but to run to you with everything in us. The bride says, come, and as the bride of Christ, we say, come, come be with me. Help me to allow you to love on me in ways that are unexpected in my darkness and in my pain. Open my eyes, God, to see the small things from you that I have been missing. Help me to recognize the nudges and when they come, not to ignore them or to tell myself I can't do that little thing. give me the strength to pick up a breadcrumb and to follow the trail that leads me to you as you lead me out of this darkness. Thank you for caring, God. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for being with me. Even when it doesn't seem like it, I choose to believe that you are with me. And I believe at some point I will be able to look back and see how you were there for me in ways that I can't see in my darkness right now. Lord, Holy Spirit, just hover over each person listening and let them feel your love right now. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I mentioned one of my books earlier, it has won multiple awards, and it's called When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. God woke me up in the middle of the night with a book title and some chapter, you know, headings, and so I wrote it all down, and then I started writing this book, and I wasn't planning on telling the story, but I'll just tell you, because it's it's pretty crazy, I had three chapters written. Dave and I went to a conference in San Diego. It was an entrepreneurial author type conference because I was writing this book and I knew nothing about publishing and I was going to have to learn how to self-publish this book. And so we went there. It was through God's leading. And there was a, a man there named David Hancock. And he owns his own New York publishing company. And so he shared with us a lot about the different ways of publishing and lots of information. And he said, you know, anybody want to talk to me, talk to me, I'll answer questions or whatever. So I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, like little old me is going to go talk to him. And so at the very end of the conference, literally like everybody stand up front, take a picture kind of thing. And I asked him if I could talk to him. He came over to take a picture of my mug, which said, "I'm um, good morning. This is God. I'll be handling all your problems today. And so he asked if he could take a picture of my mug and of course I said yes and so then I asked him I told him I had a couple questions and he said yeah sure he'd he'd answer my questions and I you know I don't know how it happened I think he wanted to know what I was working on so that he could know how to answer my questions better but the next thing I know he's handing me his business card and saying I want you to send me what you have written so far I would like to see it so Dave and I did some sightseeing we get back to Wisconsin this was back in I think like 2015 something like that So I send him this email. I don't know if you remember me at the conference, but you told me to send what I had, and here it is. And he sends me back an email, and he says, yes, I've been waiting for this. I have an acquisition editor waiting to to see this. And the acquisition editor was Terry Whalen, who has written one of the Billy Graham biography books. And so on April Fool's Day, April 1st, I get a call and an email saying, this is not an April Fool's joke. We are offering you a contract for your book. And so I never pursued a traditional publisher. God literally dropped one in my lap. So I signed the contract on April 13th. I waited and purposely signed it on Becca's birthday, and so that is how this book came about, and it's like the title, it's Rebuilding Your Life Like Rebuilding a House, and God showed me. When we come home, we sit in the garage, and we might not be ready to go in the house yet for different reasons, and I call that the garage of tears and the foundation of forgiveness. I got one email when the book first came out that she threw the book across the room. She was so mad because forgiveness is so hard and yet it's so needed. And eventually she picked the book up, she read it, and she keeps it by her nightstand because she refers back to it so much. But it goes on to talk about um the bedroom of rest, the kitchen of usefulness. It just it rebuilds the house, the roof of hope looking out the window of fear. Dave wrote a chapter the support beam of grace. So anyway, that's the book. I wasn't planning on sharing all that with you, but I thought if I'm going to mention the book here, then maybe I'll tell you the story behind it. Anyway, if you do want to know more about the book itself, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. There's a like a web page specifically for that book when tragedy strikes. And it can be ordered anywhere books are sold, including online at Christian book distributors, even Walmart, along with places like Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and of course Amazon. So just letting you know about that book that's out there. Let's go ahead and go to our birthday segment today. Ian Rodriguez was born on February 26 and is forever 33. Yafet Hadish was born on February 27th and is forever 21. Christian Fafness was born on March 4th and is forever 20. We celebrate with these families the day that these three came into the world. What a wonderful day that was. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced, on the podcast and shared with the other listeners. I would be so blessed and honored to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's just a a form with the information we would need. Submit that, and we will add your son or daughter to our list. We also send out an email the week that podcast episode is played so that you remember to uh, listen for your son or daughter's birthday. Our circumstance of having our child die is definitely overwhelming. Those first two to three years are brutal, but we come to a place where we get to choose if we're going to continue to feel overwhelmed, and at that point, it's more internal than external. God wants to help with what is going on internally in you because of what happened Be willing to ask God, what is driving me to stay here in this lane of feeling overwhelmed and in the darkness? We often think it's one thing, the fact that our child dies, but he knows that a lot of times there's something else behind that, like maybe a fear that we don't realize is keeping us in this place or a fear we do realize, like I'm afraid if I don't stay in this place, I'm going to forget my child and this is what's keeping me attached. And that's not true. And I want to say, don't expect God to just come right out and tell you the answer of what's keeping you in this place when he's trying to nudge you out. He might, but often he just directs us and he starts to change it himself by our awareness of how he's leading us or nudging us as we follow the breadcrumbs. As you are becoming more aware of those breadcrumbs, remember to hold on pain even there is.